0: Good morning, everyone. Morning. Morning. Uh, My name's Thomas, and we're going to be open up uh, God's Word this morning. We're doing a series in Exodus, and uh, we are continuing that in Chapter 4. Now, I'm wondering if we could get today's talk blocked in but not beaten, if we could get a few slides up. We've got a few pictures that we want to share. I want to know whether this has ever happened to you. Oh, I heard some people going, oh, that's quite recent, the pain is still there. Have we ever been blocked in like that? And yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's brutal, isn't it? Imagine owning that car in the middle. How on earth are you going to get into that car and drive home? I don't know. We can have the next one. See, there's another tough one as well. How, how's people? How, how, how do you get out of there? I don't know. I don't know, did anyone used to have? It looks like one of those old Volvos, doesn't it? Do you remember the Volvos? Yes, a couple of people. I mean, that, that is... And look at that. It's a wee bit pixelated, but that is a, a traffic jam of epic proportions, and there's actually people outside their cars. And then I think we've got one more as well, which I found the funniest. Just surrounded by rubbish. Surrounded by bins. It's obviously parked in the wrong place. Now, you can imagine with these pictures... The people, when they return to their cars, they've got to get somewhere. You know, they've got to get in their car. They want to go somewhere. They want to use their car to get from A to B. Uh, You manage, perhaps, to get into the car somehow. We start the engine. We can get revving. We can get nice and warm. We can get some tunes on. We can have some people in the car with us. We can get comfy. We can chat about stuff. We can chat about where we're going to go, but we can't get moving because we're blocked in because we're blocked in. There's nowhere to go because we're blocked until we get what is in the way out of the way. And I felt with the passage this morning, this, uh, this word of being blocked in but not beaten is a, a really clear word from God, uh, perhaps for a few of us this morning that are sitting here, uh, that He is calling us in this space. Perhaps we, we sing some songs in this space we're together in this space, and He wants us to get moving. He wants us to get moving, and we are made to move. We are made to journey God's best for our lives, where He tells us to go and what He tells us to do. And I don't know about you guys, but I want my Christian walk to be an adventure. I want it to be a wee bit of Ren Collective going on there. I get my foot tapping. Uh, I, want my Christian, uh, I want my Christian journey to be an adventure. I, one of our values as a church is that we, make, that we make adventure at the forefront of what we do. I want us to be moving for God, uh, with God's best for us. The dreams, the calls, the passions. Because they matter. And those are the things that will make a difference in our city. Those are the things that will make Inverness, make Jesus known in Inverness. And that is quite loud, isn't it? Could somebody pop their head in and just go? Just a tiny bit. Thank you very much. Whoa. (laughs) And this passage that we're going to look at in Exodus this morning, it shows us some of the blockers that nearly always happen and seem to come when God speaks. When He tells us Uh, Where he wants us to go, uh, what he's calling us to, uh, I want to highlight some of the blockers that come up. And for us to live this life of adventure, for us to go, yes, I want my walk with Jesus to be an adventure, we must get moving. We must not settle. We must not settle being blocked in. We want Inverness Vineyard Church's adventure to be wild. We want us to be a collective of people that take risks for Jesus. And we don't want to be comfy. We want to have edge of our seats faith. I want to ask us, when was the last time we were on the edge of our seats when it comes to our faith with God? When was the last time we were that excited for the things of God? On Friday morning, I I went away to see Toy Story 4 and uh, went with Joshua. Joshua dressed up as Buzz Lightyear. And there was about eight of us in the cinema. We were the first people in Inverness to see Toy And I was on the edge of my seat. It was like reliving my childhood. You know, the first Toy Story came out. I don't know how ever many years. Somebody messaged me. I, sent, I put a picture of Joshua up on social media. And they messaged me and they said, yeah, yeah, getting your boy dressed up so you can go and see Toy Story. We know what you're doing here. But I was on the edge of the seat, my seat for that movie. I wonder... Are we like that? Do we have that expectancy and excitement when it comes to the things of God? That's how it's meant to be. When we come into this space, we are worshiping God. God. If we don't come into this space expecting, if we don't come into this space knowing that God is here, we are settling. And I don't want to settle. And I know that there's been times when I have done that. The enemy loves comfy. He loves comfy because comfy is convenience and convenience is not kingdom. We had comfy seats out in church the other week and a few people, oh, these are quite nice. And, you know, those seats in a sense are everything that I don't want us to be as a church. And, you know, some of us perhaps have been choosing the comfy seats these past few years when it comes to our walks with God. Some of us here might feel that those pictures blocked in. But I want to say this morning, you may be blocked in this morning, but you are not beaten. You are not beaten. And uh, there is hope this morning. There is a way out this morning. There is more this morning. So we're looking at Exodus 4, 1 to 17. Last week, Cherry spoke from Exodus 3 and Moses' encounter uh, with God and the burning bush. And we're going to be seeing a continuation in this passage of the dialogue between God and Moses. So why don't we pray before... We open up God's word. Lord, we thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are a God of hope. For those of us that have come in here feeling like the tank is a bit empty, will you pour in your hope? Will you remind us that you are God? Will you remind us that you have a plan? Will you remind us that you are with us right now? We welcome your Holy Spirit into this space. We love your word. Amen. So Exodus 4, and it will be up on the screen as well. It's quite small writing. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous, and it became become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord pardon your servant Lord I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf, deaf or mute? Who gives gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, "Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else." Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, "What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you." and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Amen. Amen. So we have Moses in this dialogue with God and Moses is having several wobbles here in this interaction. He's had one or two in the previous chapter but this is continuing on here and it highlights a key point in this dialogue. With the three points that we're going to look at this morning, it's a battle on the inside that is overthrowing Moses. This is what is winning through in this instance, and this is what is dominating Moses' interaction, his actions, his thoughts, his decisions. And it's restricting and stopping Moses in this first instance in stepping out. And as we read this passage, this can be so true in our walks with God as well. God speaks often in spaces like this. He breaks our hearts for what breaks His we are like clay in His hands. And as we leave here, we perhaps look to push on and keep this alive, what God has deposited, the dreams He's given us, the calls He's given you, the, the directions, the actions. And we go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that alive. I'm going to go. But perhaps as we leave this space, we end up losing the battle. And we're blocked in. Every single time we come in here, we're stirred up, we go, and then we're, we feel blocked when we leave this space. There's three things Moses does that I want to look at in this passage that we must bring to Jesus if it's in our day-to-day. So firstly, I want to look at the, the very first words of the chapter, what Moses said. He said, what if they, if we could get that up, what if they? When I uh, was younger, I went through a phase of of entering competitions, left, right, and center. I, I don't know if anybody else did. When I was from the, about the ages of 10 till about 16, I was just obsessed with competitions. I was like, I want to win one. And I think it started from when I was age seven and I won a Thomas the Tank Engine coloring in competition, which my a grandfather helped coloring in. There was a wee bit of cheating going on. But I got to meet the author of Thomas the Tank Engine and get a signed book. And then I think Joshua destroyed it in the living room or drew all over the, the signature. And I was like, that could have been worth something. Anyway, there, I used to love... The the TV show. I remember vividly one competition I entered, and it was for the TV show Gladiators. Does anyone remember Gladiators? That was classic Saturday evening television, uh, and it was to meet the Gladiators. I used to be able to do the voice, you know, the Gladiators ready. That's quite good, isn't it? Does anyone remember that? Uh, but the competition was to get to the final to meet the Gladiators, and I remember my mom and dad said, yeah, we can, you can enter. Go on, you can do it, so I phoned up, and I remember that night after i put in my competition entry, I was just dreaming about what it would be like to be at the Gladiators final. What it would be like to see the contestants do the travelator. Could I do the travelator? I think I could do the travelator. And then I was like, and I'll get to meet Jet. I used to love Jet. I was like, Jet's brilliant. I could meet Jet, and I could get her autograph. And I was dreaming about the what if. What if? what if they ask me to become a gladiator? You know, you never know. There was something quite special about that. And even as I recall it, there was just something quite special about recalling the what ifs, about taking myself away from the day to day to picture myself in a better place. And I know many of us perhaps still do that, perhaps not with gladiators, but what if I'd done that job? What if we sold the house and we went on a mission? What if we adopted? What if we gave a chunk of that money to the poor? What if we got a pet hamster? That's what we're going through just now. Joshua keeps asking about hamsters, but we're definitely not going to do it. What if I had a million pounds? What would it look like? So we speculate. But when it comes to when God speaks to us, often our focus is directed towards fear-filled speculation instead of faith-filled speculation. The very first words Moses says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? Is how this chapter opens. It's a what if. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And you know, the Lord is so gracious in this encounter because as you follow it, he provides signs for Moses to show the Lord is with him. And we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us and to guide us and to sustain us. And you know, those words, what if, can be a real blocker for us. And what I'm not saying in this is not to plan because it's wise to think through scenarios, it's wise to think, what if this happened? Okay, we need to prepare for that, or what if that happened? Okay, we need to prepare for that. But one of the commentators in this passage says, God does not ask us to go where he has not provided the means to help. We have a danger when we focus too much on the what if, and not the one who has spoken. God has spoken to Moses here, he's had a clear dialogue a detailed dialogue, a mission to take God's people from Egypt. Yet Moses lets the what-if dominate. I want to ask us this morning, how often do we do that? Our minds perhaps spiral out of control with worst-case scenarios that cripple all that God's calling us to, that halt what God's, God wants us to do, where He wants us to go. What if they'll never speak to me again? What if? Everyone will act different. What if they don't reply? What if I make a mistake? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't fit in? What if I don't look like everyone else? What if I'm too old for this? What if I'm too young for this? What if I get found out for who I really am? What if I get scared? What if it doesn't go to plan? What if, what if, what if? Joyce Mayer says this, Satan takes our circumstances and can build strongholds in our lives, how he wages war on the battlefield of the mind. But, thank God, we have weapons to tear down the strongholds. God doesn't abandon us and leave us helpless. He is a God who is victorious this morning. He is a God who wins out every single time. And that should free us up to a life of adventure and dream and to reframe those moments when what if comes into our minds and to say, even if. To say, even if. Even if they never speak to me again, you will, God. Even if they act different, you never will, God. Even if I make a mistake, you will reward my faithfulness in stepping out. Even if I don't fit in, you call me to love relentlessly anyway. Even if I get scared, you will guide me and be by my side. I wonder what our what ifs are this morning that are blocking us. And where we need to flip that to even if this morning. So we have what if they. And then secondly we have in verse 10, we have to continue the dialogue. Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant Lord, I have never being eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. We see the second declaration from Moses to God, I have never been. And it's a declaration which focuses on unqualification. He's unqualifying himself. God says to him, go and lead my people into freedom. Moses says, what if? God gives him some signs, a response to that. And then Moses brings, I have never been, but I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I have never been. He isn't qualified to speak. He can't speak particularly well. He hasn't done a good job in the past. That's what the passage says. He's still not doing it now. It's not engaging. It's perhaps not edge of the seat stuff. He doesn't say the right things at the right time. It takes him ages to think of what to say and what to do. It's often not very good, and he says to the Lord, "There's got to be someone else. Come on. I have never been." And notice how Moses references the past. Notice how he says, oh, "I've never, I've never been eloquent, even in the even back in the past, even in the past." How much of our blockers up because we have a fear of of messing up or a fear. Because what has happened in the past, which stops us stepping out into now. Lord, did you see three years ago, September the 20th, what happened? It's so ingrained in our minds and in our hearts. It went terribly, Lord. You don't want me to go there again. I wonder how many of us this morning know God is whispering to take a step, but we're blocked in by fear. We're blocked in perhaps by pain, perhaps by disappointment of the past. And just now as we're sitting, it's self-preservation. It's like, I'm just going to get by. I'm just going to get by. Jesus wants in this morning. Can I urge us not to be sitting in the same space in a year's time, pondering it over, like the car being blocked in, revving up, but not able to get out. That we use this place to unblock and to identify and to say to God, no more no more. And the secret in this is remembering who qualifies us to the works of God, God Himself. It's not us, it's not other people, and that should be a constant reminder to all of us. It's, I, I know for me it's a constant reminder to myself. I, I had a moment this morning as I was, I was praying, it, it's, it's, it's madness us planting a church. <laughs> it's madness that God has called us to this adventure, to this wonderful city. I am a a business and human resource management graduate (laughs) who, for four years, spent time giving mortgages to people in a a local bank, who was then asked to become a youth pastor. And before that, at uni, I was as distant from God as, as anybody. I was lost, I was a mess. Before volunteering with a bunch of young people in a youth group on Tuesday evenings, I'd never spoken publicly. I'd never even thought about doing that. I have seasons of real doubt and wobbles, of questioning and asking God, there's got to be someone else. And in everything God calls us to, I think we all have battles of comparison and insecurities. If they really knew me. But... I think we're to use that to give God the glory. I think that's what we're to do. We're to show God and each other the real us. That's what this space is about. I still have wobbles. I still have moments of selfishness and pride, of doubt and fear. I am weak. I have mornings of thinking I'm not the most knowledgeable. I'm not the most academic. I'm not the smartest. I don't use the biggest words but we can't let it stop us. We can't let it stop us. Steve Furtick in the book Unqualified says, admitting our weaknesses is not doubt, fear, or lack of faith. Actually, it's one of the clearest signs that we have faith. It means that our confidence is placed in God, not ourselves. It means that we are secure enough in who He is to admit who we are not we give God the glory. God reminds Moses he is creator God. He is a deliberate God. He has a plan. That it's not on a whim or by a chance that Moses has been called to this. I love in verse 11, God says to him, who gave you your mouth? Who gave human beings their mouth? I can just imagine God, I'm asking you to speak, but I'm not the most eloquent. I created the mouth I created it, mate. Come on. Use it. I'm creator god. If I created it, perhaps I know what I'm doing here, Moses. I'm over it all the very thing I'm asking you to use. I I created it. I know how it works. He is all powerful. He is the potter and we are the clay. And an indicate a, a great uh, reminder is we see what God does when we step out when we're not beaten by these, these, these dialogues, we see what God does. We had a little moment of celebration. We have, as Mary said, our month of mission of serving the city. And we'd love you to head over to the desk. We've got all four of the Sundays planned out. And God's doing something in terms of, of this month already. We have a kids' event on the 27th of July eh, where we're putting on a fun morning and we've got bouncy castles and face painting and uh, we put an online sign-up on Thursday, and within 24 hours, we've had 59 sign-ups. Oh, 61. We've had 61 sign-ups, and only one of those children are from our church. So, there are 60 children who do not know Jesus who are coming in, and we are going to be able to just bless them. We're going to be able to serve them we're going to be able to have a great morning. God is doing something. He is doing something in our midst. That's not normal within that amount of time. It's just so, so exciting. God is doing stuff, and we we must remember that when we step out. We must remember that. What is He calling you to? That you are speaking over yourself, I'm not qualified. Perhaps your I have never has meant that you're speaking this morning, I will never. Never. Or, you'll never see me do that. Perhaps that's the very thing God is calling you to. You can imagine Moses watching other speakers before this God moment, can't you? And he's saying, he's really good at this speaking, isn't he? I look at him. Never catch me doing that. Never catch me trying that again after what happened previously. And God has other plans. Let's bring it to him this morning. And then finally, we have in verse 13, this final uh Declaration from Moses. But Moses says, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. The final blocker. God says to Moses, Go, trust me. I've given you some signs with a rod and your hand and the Nile. I've reminded you that I've created mouths, so I want you to go and use it. I've reminded you I'm over everything. And then we have Moses saying, Pardon your servant, Lord. Just send someone else. Send someone else. I love the Lord in this passage, the whole passage, because he doesn't give up on Moses. There's always an opportunity here in this passage. God knows Moses' heart. He knows the journey Moses is to go on. He knows Moses' insecurities and he walks with him in them. He doesn't count him out after the first wobble or the second wobble or the third wobble. I love that. We have that reassurance this morning. For those of us perhaps that are sitting here and have said no to God. And close that chapter. God is waiting; He is still eager to use us. So everything has been building and building. And Moses said, "Send someone else." I find it a slight contradiction in His language here because He says, "Pardon your servant." I'm your servant, Lord, but get someone else to serve you. I'm not going. He knows exactly what we need. God gives provision for the vision. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Nehemiah, a man whose heart broke for the ruins of the wall of Jerusalem. And God done something in him before he could do something through him. And in stepping out to be released from his job, he was a cupbearer to the king, a very noble job, a very secure job. God provided people for the rebuild when he stepped out, when he went to the king, when he said, release me. I want to go and help with the rebuild. And God brought these people after. There's a whole list, list of people that came to help with the rebuild. And it just so happens in this passage, God gives Moses what he needs at the right time too. Often we say it's not for us because we think someone else is better, or we're scared God won't provide, or we are not. We feel we're not qualified enough. What would it look like the next time God is speaking to us? If we had that choice, we decided to say yes, that we said bye to fear, that we knew that there was probably people that were better, but God is speaking to us, and we just serve, and we trust Him to come through, and we take that step. And I believe that's one of the key steps in winning this city for Jesus, taking those faith-filled steps, placing ourselves in moments where we place, pass it all to Jesus and we say, over to you, you need to come through here. Perhaps it's a conversation, a prayer, buying someone a sandwich, a phone call, an apology, an encouragement, send a card, a gift, a dream, a career change. We might feel blocked in this morning, We might be saying, what if? We might be saying, but I've never been particularly good at that. We might be saying, Lord, just send someone else. But we are not beaten this morning. Can I urge us as a a church to get moving? Our city needs it, and we all have a a part to play in that. If we could have the, the final slide up, which would be brilliant. So we say, instead of what if, we say even if we place our security in Jesus' hands. I can't remember the rest of the other points. I've completely forgot. Instead of saying, I have never been, we remember who we are. We remember our identity in Jesus. And instead of saying, send someone else, we say to the Lord, here I am, send me. Why don't we stand?